Thank you, Jesus. <coughs> I'm a hopeless case. An empty place, if not for grace. <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, even now for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The Spirit of God already is here. <clears throat> Thank Him for His grace right now. Thank Him that you're not insane, that you're not you're not uh, down in hell, that you're you're not your life is not a mess. That you're still alive, that you're still in Him, that He's still working through you, He's still working in you, He ain't done with you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Begin to praise the Lord. Say thank you, Lord, for Your grace. <clears throat> I'd be an empty place. I'd be a hopeless case if not for Your grace, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> We extol you, Lord. <clears throat> we extol you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your wonderful grace. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't given up on us. We thank you that there's still hope in you. We thank you, Father, that you love us and you shed your love abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost that has been given unto us, O Lord. We thank you, Father, that you haven't suffered our lives to go down into the pit. You haven't suffered our lives, O Lord, to, to uh, be... <clears throat> Tossed down, Lord. Although we're cast down, Lord, we're not destroyed. Even though we're persecuted, we're not abandoned. Even though we're perplexed, we're not in despair. And you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Holy Ghost that has taken residence within our hearts, O Lord. And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would fill our cups, that you would fill our cups, O Lord, with your grace, with your anointing. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord. Apart from you, Lord, we have no good thing. But Lord, in you, we have all things. In you, O Lord, we can make it. In you, O Lord, we have no failure. In you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Father. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you for your great grace. <clears throat> Father, I just ask right now that you would continue to sustain this meeting <clears throat> with your presence, that you continue to sustain this meeting, Lord, uh, with, with your anointing, Lord, that you would speak to every heart, that you would speak to every soul, Lord. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus, Father, and I just, <clears throat> I speak against every distraction, Lord. I pray, Father, that you bring every distraction low, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would bind every spirit that you would bind every demon, and Lord, that your spirit would go forth, and that your spirit, Lord, through your word, would cut 
uh, to the hearts, Lord, <clears throat> that you would chisel out of our lives, O Lord, all that is wicked, all that is evil, all that is unrighteous, all that would lead us away from the will of the Lord, Father. I pray, God, that your spirit, God, would begin to energize us, would begin to empower us, would begin, O Lord, to lead us forward into the will of God, that we would not backslide, we would not become stagnant, we would not become stifled, we would not become hindered, we would not become oppressed. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to liberate the oppressed, that you would begin to liberate, O Lord Jesus, through the anointing, all those who have been taken captive. And I pray that our jubilee would come, that our release would come, our deliverance would come, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would grant us breakthrough. I pray in Jesus' name that you would dispatch your angels to war on our behalf and to begin to aid the heirs of salvation, Lord. I pray that you would send forth ministering angels, ministering spirits to fight on our behalf and to war and to contend against all the enemies of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray that you would confirm this word. I pray, Lord, that you would establish this word. I pray, O oh God, that our lives, O oh Lord, would be a triumphant victory, that we would not be a victim of oppression. We would not be a victim of exploitation and manipulation, Lord. In Jesus' name, make our lives, Lord, a testimony of your delivering power. Make our lives a testimony, O oh Lord, of your salvation. You are our rock. You are our buckler. You are our shield. You are a helmet of salvation, Lord. And you are the sword, O Lord, that cuts out, O Lord, all that, are, all that is wicked. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would establish a testimony. Establish, O Lord, a, a, um, a report, Lord, of goodness, O God. All that is good comes from your hand above. <coughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray against every spirit of depression, all that has been oppressing you. May the hand of the Lord be against it. May the hand of the Lord be against them. May the hand of the Lord fight against those that are fighting against you in Jesus' name. May he show up and show out for you in the mighty name of Jesus. He will establish a testimony. Good is the report of the Lord, and may it come forth in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. May every Pharaoh in your life be swallowed up. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We glorify your holy and precious name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. <clears throat> amen. You know, hold on. Give me one second. Awesome. <clears throat> it It's sad. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm making a joke about it, but it's sad at the same time that that's what um, people are listening to nowadays is um, <clears throat> uh, just this garbage, you know, and <clears throat> I've seen this, this Instagram 
reel where uh what's his name uh baskin robbins um that six nine guy right he has his you know the rainbow guy he has more colors than baskin robin has flavors you know um you know, it's sad, too, because, you know, the, the thing is, they're talking about how gangster they are, right? And, you know, they don't listen to anybody and they do their own thing. But yet <clears throat> they're they're sellouts to um, the industry. They're becoming prostituted by the industry and <clears throat> the industry brands them <clears throat> and makes them look like, you know, uh, complete buffoons and and. He was talking on the Instagram reel there. He's like, yeah, I just go in the studio and I just play around. I just, I just, I just say whatever. And I'm like, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't condone the rap either in the eighties and nineties because it's all, it's all secular, right? It all glorifies things other than Christ. But nonetheless, I at least recognize that in the 90s and 80s, they actually at least had lyrics. Um, you know, the, the and there are a few songs where they try to talk about what's good and, you know, try to help liberate their people and stuff like that. But um, it's just, I think it's getting more blatant and more, <clears throat> more obvious now. And it's coupled with, it's not even coupled with talent anymore. It's not, they're not using talent. They're just using <clears throat> gimmicks and tools and <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but the the sad thing is today the the people are falling headlong into uh, those that are that are considered examples when they're 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 teaching the children to. Um, know, kill each other and basically sabotage their own community. Right? It, it's a, it's 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 fostering a genocide on their own community. Right? The the especially the Hispanic and and black communities <clears throat> the majority of the crime that you see is brown on brown and black on black. And you know, it doesn't dawn on these it doesn't dawn on America to say, hey, there's a real problem here and we need to address this problem <clears throat> because it's just getting worse and worse. Amen. Right? It's not it's not getting better and it's you know, and, and the reason why is because <clears throat> a lot of the guys with the suits and the ties are the ones making the money off of it. And so the, they have to continue to perpetuate this in order to make money off of it. <clears throat> because the moment the kids and the youth start seeing it for what it is, then they lose interest in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evils. It's not the root of all evil. Neither is money the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Right? <clears throat> because money will lead... Uh, you to Jeffrey Epstein's island, right? Uh, it will lead you to Joe Biden's uh, 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 political corruption. It will lead you to prostitution. It will lead you to drugs. It leads you to different things, right? Because money actually gives you the power 
to obtain these wicked things, right? Money is not inherently evil, but it, it is a tool and an instrument through which <coughs> you can obtain evil. <coughs> Excuse me. Right? So this is why you have to be careful with money, right? You have to be careful with, with money. In fact, you know, the thing, the Bible never says the deceitfulness of lust. <clears throat> it never says the deceitfulness of murder. In fact, there's nothing deceitful about murder. Murder is a sin that is very confrontational, right? It's a sin that's very obvious, right? And, and a lot of premeditation goes into murder, right? But when it comes to the money, the Bible says that the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness, right, of of that is what deceit, that's why it's deceitful. You know why? Because it normally it ensnares Christians with this rationale. Uh, I, I need to provide for my family. And what begins off as a good thing leads you to idolatry. <clears throat> amen. Y'all can say amen to that. Because I, I can tell you, I can't tell you how many Christians I've seen have fallen by the wayside because of being blinded by their love for money. And let me just throw this out there. You want to know just a simple way that you love money is you don't tithe. That's a simple way you love money is you don't tithe. And I know people hate that. I know the church hates it. Everybody hates it, <laughs> including the world. They hate it. <clears throat> but not only that is is you begin to trust Caesar more than you trust God. You trust more in, in, in my check than you trust in the living God. You want to know why? Is because the moment there's a problem with your money, right? Say, uh, uh, you know, a complication <clears throat> with your check or something like that, you become enormously anxious. Why are you anxious? God is your rock, right? He will never leave you nor forsake you, Right? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, right? He is your security, right? Okay, so why are we becoming angry? Why are we becoming anxious when it comes to the things that are only an instrument and not the source? No one can disrupt the source. God is secure and God has sworn by oath. He sworn by himself since he could swear by no greater, since in these two immutable things in which it is impossible for God the lie that he will bless the seed of Abraham. <clears throat> Amen. He could swear by no greater. He swore by himself self with an oath that he will bless the seed of Abraham. And if we are in Christ, you are the, the seed of Abraham, right? You are that you are uh, in Christ and you are a child of God. Right, and he therefore promises to take care of you. <clears throat> so at the the heart of at the heart of greed really is an unbelief in the provision of God, the sufficiency of God. Right, and you begin to trust mammon. You begin to trust other things, other than Jesus Christ. Right? Does this make sense? Amen. Stay silent if you're if you're mad. I tell you, I'm not, I have no interest in making people mad. I, I really, I'm not, I don't get gratified by making people mad at all. 
right? And I'm not insinuating that you guys are are, are actually mad. <clears throat> but, um, you know, the word of the Lord has the potential to offend. That's that's not, God doesn't, you know, set himself out to offend people, right? It's not like Jesus is, you know, a you know, surveying everybody in the land and saying, who can I offend? You know, unlike some of these uh, <clears throat> pharisaical Christians whose who's, uh, main prerogative it is to go witch hunting. You know, I had this guy recently, <clears throat> uh, uh, funny enough, it was on the topic of tithes. He came into my inbox and started uh, uh, trying to call down curses on me. He's like, may the bears get you and all this other stuff. And he's been spying on me for a year. And, and he, he, he has been harassing certain people in the group, and him and his minions. And I just think it's ridiculous. <clears throat> he said it's his ministry to, to uh, expose people like me. I'm like, who gave you that ministry? The devil? I know God didn't. Because I know God. And, and I doubt he knows God. Because, you know, let me just quickly talk on that real quick. <clears throat> people always say, oh, it's my ministry to expose people. And I'm not saying that there aren't instances where you might want to expose some high-ranking false teachers, right? But um, we have to realize that Paul largely exposed people that had an immediate influence in the church he fathered. So they came in Paul's way. <clears throat> he was Paul wasn't going out looking for people, you know, that that you know, he he wasn't looking for marks. Oh, let me let me catch this guy. You know what I mean? He he, he it wasn't a Blair Witch project to him. <laughs> no. Do you understand? For those of you that have seen that movie, right, <laughs> Blair Witch, you know, he, he's not witch hunting. <clears throat> this is in the Salem witch trials. That was in Paul's ministry to try to deliberately go out and look for people, right, so he can amass an influence. And, and you know why? Let me tell you this. A lot of the people that do that, they want follows, they want likes, they want shares because they understand that the vast majority of the body of Christ are immature and the fact that they are uh, immature is is they they uh, uh, they capitalize on that because they know that religious drama will sell. And okay. since a lot of Christians don't got enough self-discipline to say, I ain't watching that junk. I don't care about who's exposing who. I'm just focused on the Lord, right? And they know that everybody has an itch for that. And so they'll click on it and then, you know, oh, so-and-so is exposed. You know, so-and-so, look at what so-and-so did, right? It, it's, just, it's just a religious novella. <laughs> right? And you got your coffee along with it in your air-conditioned house, kicking back with your feet up in the air. Oh, this is juicy. This is getting good. What else did this what else is this guy teaching? Amen. <clears throat> but yet when it comes to a when it comes to being edified in the Lord, you can't even sit ten minutes to listen to instruction, right? 
And I'm not saying you personally, I'm just saying the church at large. When it comes to actual doctrinal instruction, they're like, they're yawning and they can't hear it. They, they, they don't have ears. They don't have endurance. They can't endure sound doctrine. But, oh, but beyond merely enduring, they're gratified. They're, they're elated to watch and listen to something. And if it involves uh, religious drama, right? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but yes and so just be careful with, with with people like that they 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 love the drama amen amen and it was funny because he told me he said um he says, whenever you're willing, because he's, he's like, you need, to, you need to stop teaching that and this, that, and the other. He says, whenever you're willing to humble yourself, he says, here, he says, I'm willing to disciple you and here are my feet and come and wash them. I said, bro, you got it twisted. I said, you want to disciple me and you want me to be your disciple. I said, Jesus was a disciple maker and he washed the apostles feet. I said, my feet are ready whenever you want to wash mine. <laughs> I want to see you humble yourself. <laughs> right? Talk about butchering the scriptures. If you, and by the way, <clears throat> by the way, Jesus didn't endorse washing stinky feet. There, there, are, there is no feet washing ministry. You have to understand what Jesus was doing. Jesus was priming the apostles as the new priests. Just as Moses put a, a, a tunic around his waist and ceremonially washed Aaron and his sons after the priestly order of Levi, Jesus was doing the same thing. But since we... we, we we fuse our own understanding with that and think that Jesus was expressing humility. That's, when, that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was, because this was right before Jesus was about to depart. Why is this the only snapshot that is given of him washing them? And it's, why doesn't it give it earlier? It's because Jesus is about to descend uh, and then ascend and depart from this life. And so he is now, and then not long thereafter, he ends up breathing on them the Holy Ghost and says, just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. So he was commissioning them out as the, the ministers of the new covenant. That's what he was doing. And now, to be fair, there was a cultural practice that typically the women did to wash the feet of travelers. That's why Paul says, if the widows, okay, widows are women, he says, if they wash the saints' feet. So there is a distinction. There is a delineation. And the women typically did it. So, um, anyways... Y'all here? Amen. Amen. 
<clears throat> so, you know, we have to understand that even a little leaven leavens the lump. Uh, uh, we, we have to allow the word of the Lord to speak, right? It doesn't matter what we've been taught. Doesn't matter our cultural upbringing. Doesn't matter what we think. Doesn't matter what we want the Bible to say. The Bible says what it says. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we become arrogant, right? I'm not suggesting that we should, uh, um, uh, uh, use it as a tool to, to, uh, oppress people or to beat people down. But nonetheless, it has to be well understood. It has to be, um, interpreted in truth. Paul says rightly dividing the word of truth. So you can incorrectly divide the word. <clears throat> right? If you can rightly divide it, you can incorrectly divide it. Right? And so it's not enough to just read the Bible. There is observation and then there is interpretation. You can observe the Bible, in which case many people do, many Christians do. That's why they cite the multiple passages that they do as alleged proof texts right, to defend themselves or to try to refute others, but that's not enough. You have to correctly understand that, which involves interpretation, right? Amen. <clears throat> you know, I don't speak that way with everybody because I understand that certain people will say that, hey, that, that's not Christ-like. <clears throat> you know, sometimes I, I say witty things to humble people that are arrogant. And, you know, if people are humble, look, the Bible says to the humble, God shows himself as humble, right? It says to the pure, uh, um, um, no, what does he say? I forget where the passage is at. But basically, to the meek, the Lord responds, uh, responds accordingly. But to the arrogant, you're going to get a different response from God than a humble person would. The Bible says that God resists the proud. He resists them. So in other words, you won't get the, you will not get grace from the Lord if you come to him in arrogance and you come to him in pride, right? And, and God, he, he changes his response to certain people and so do I. You know, one of the most annoying things that I found are when Christians, they want to like low-key insult you, right? But then they will slap a I love you at the end. And I'm like, just shut up. You don't love me. You, if you loved me, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. Don't be fake. I hate fake. Just be real, right? And that's why, you know, someone tried to do that with me recently. And I love you, bro. I didn't say I, didn't say I love you back because I don't even ever talk to you. I said, like my posts. Because <laughs> he was trying... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't like, I don't like fake. I don't. 
And, and you, we have to be truthful. We have to be honest. And, and so what, what I'm hoping to teach you from that is, you know, don't be mean-spirited, but speak your mind. Tell the truth, right? Amen. And don't 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 allow people to dupe you for for fakeness, because you know it, it, we've been taught this Christianese in the body of Christ, right? To just be plastic, to 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 uh, mask yourselves, right? And, and to hide your true intentions, and just to get on life as if everything's fine, and give people a cheesy smile and a handshake. And no, mm-mm. I'm not going to play that game. Amen. You think Jesus was doing that? Oh, praise the Lord, brother. How are you doing today? You think he was doing that? No, he was telling the truth. I'm not saying that he was trying to deliberately offend people. But look at, look at what he told Peter. Right? He says, get behind me, Satan. Right? That's what Jesus told Peter. He didn't allow, see, because the devil was using Peter, and he just called the root out. He didn't deal with the surface stuff. He called the root out and says, hey, this is the problem right here. You're being used by the devil. You're minding the things of men. You're not minding the things of God. Is that understood? And so this is why you need spiritual discernment, brothers and sisters, because there will be people that will come in your life and they will cloak their true intentions and they will be duplicitous. They will be deceitful and manipulative and they will hide their true intentions. Meanwhile, everything on the surface looks fine. And because if you fall prey and victim to that Christianese garbage, you will just passively endure the manipulation of others. No, what I'm teaching you here today is to be uh, uh, confrontational with wickedness in your life. To not endure evil, to not endure and tolerate wickedness. Yeah. And you know what? You, you might, it might be difficult for you because certain people's temperaments uh, 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 don't like to confront stuff. I get that. But this is where you have to uh, uh, draw from the Holy Ghost and he will enable you to do what you naturally do not want to do. Is that understood? <clears throat> Let me share one other thing. You know, there's this co-worker at, at work, right? He's, he's a young brother. He's 18 years old and he's just so high-minded. I mean, he loves to put other people down and he tries to do it with me. He walks in the teacher's lounge and he says, you know, there's this other new janitor too um, that they go to the same church. And he walks in and says, hey, ladies. Um, uh, oh, he says something insulting. I said, excuse me. I said, you looking in the mirror or I don't. I, last time I checked, I'm not a lady. You a lady? And then he kind of stumbled on his words. Uh, uh, uh. And, and yeah, bro, don't don't talk to me like that. I'm not a lady. And, and furthermore, you claim to be a brother. Don't insult me like that. Right? Amen, somebody. Amen. 
And the funny thing was, is him and, and his comrade, they got upset at me because I said I cast out devils and I have a beard. Because their church teaches that you can't have a beard if you're... And I'm like, okay, what distinguishes uh, femininity from masculinity? And I wanted to say, don't get upset at me try, you could, that you formed a doctrine based around what you can't grow. <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. Because <laughs> he, he's still young and he, he doesn't have one. So I'm like, hey, don't get upset at me and form a doctrine around what you can't grow. <laughs> Well, I, I I had mercy on him, so I didn't say that. But let me say one last thing, and I'll get to the text. <coughs> um, that stuff is dangerous. You know why? Because it's segregating the body of Christ. It is segregating the body of Christ over nonsensical, nonsensical things like this. I have a beard. And and he he won't they, that church they won't even associate with other oneness apostolics and Pentecostals that that have similar standards. The, one of the brothers in the teachers lounge said, "Oh, our pastor said we can't associate with even other apostolics and Pentecostals because their standards aren't high as ours." And I'm like, "Yeah, you just castrated the body, bro." based off the teachings of men. And you know what that that's a religious spirit. Whenever there are teachings of men and the doctrines of men that begin to castrate the body, that's not of the Lord. Especially with things as ridiculous as you got a beard. Oh, never mind that you're casting out demons. Never mind that you're liberating the oppressed. Never mind that you love the Lord. Never mind that you're living righteously. We we don't like you because you got a beard. They called me a cherry picker because I I said Aaron the priest in Psalm one thirty three had the oil running down the beard. Right? Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah that they pluck Jesus's beard? You're more like Jesus than they are. They don't have a beard like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cherry picking. <clears throat> We're going to ignore, right? We're going to ignore these passages like Psalm 133. We're going to ignore that because we want to uphold our traditions. Amen. Amen. You know. <clears throat> but anyways, the reason why um the, the reason why I I share those examples is because I I I refuse to tolerate pride. I will humble it. Don't come to me with arrogance. If someone is, you know, makes a mistake, that's fine. I understand that. But there's a difference between arrogance and and that stout-hearted pride 
right? And, and you know, someone making a mistake, someone even having struggles they're working through. Amen? E even God, you know, you can commit some of the most, you, you commit a, a, a horrible sin that has brought you so much guilt, and, and you, 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 you're so contrite over it. You're, you're humbled before God and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God will look upon you with favor. Versus someone that is morally upright and they're proud, right? And the Bible says that God will resist you. Amen. Right? <clears throat> yes, men can have long hair. Jesus was a Nazarite. He had long hair. <clears throat> Samson had long hair. Right now, see, the thing is what the Bible prohibits is what we're seeing today with a lot of the transgenders that are deliberately trying to look like a female or a, ma a female deliberately trying to look like a male. Is that understood? Amen. Yes, thank you for the clarification. So, so <clears throat> when it comes to like say, because they'll say, oh, you... The women are supposed to wear skirts and they can't wear pants and they'll draw from the, the law and they'll say a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man. But the interesting thing is, and they, they just love ignoring this, is that man used to wear garments. And that, that looked almost no different than what the women wore in ancient times. Right? Yeah. And... and not only that, right? Um, <clears throat> pants is 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 a thing that's unisex. It's it's not it's not inherently male nor it's inherently female, and and that's that's what they're blurring the lines between the objectivity of God's word and the subjectivity and the relativity of culture. And what it was deliberately prohibiting is trying to be a cross-dresser. So if a, a brother started wearing makeup, put on pink, and wore tight, tight jeans, what do you think he's trying to do? It's common sense. It ain't rocket science. Right? Amen. Now, or if a sister was wearing baggy pants... Cut her hair short, right? And the, what do you think she's trying to do? She's trying to look like a man. Right? Yeah. Is this making sense? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I... Let's go to um, Matthew 28, <coughs> 19. <coughs> <coughs> My brothers and sisters, look, I, I, I've been, 
you know, I haven't been in the church the longest, but I've been in the church for some time now, for 12 years. And so I've seen a lot of trends. I've seen different things. I've, I've heard different teachings. And <clears throat> I felt around for the truth. And, and I've had to discard some things. A lot of things, actually. And teachings that weren't actually biblical. And and when you <clears throat> retain beliefs that are not biblical, they hurt you. Right? And and so why I bring that up is and I I, sh- I I'm transparent about some of my interactions to show you that I deliberately bring those up not to offend anybody, but to challenge your thinking. Because typically, I'll tell you what a lot of believers will say, is what he's saying, that's unbiblical. Jesus wouldn't do that. And, okay, well, what would Jesus do then? Jesus called people brood of vipers. He called them, you whitewashed tombs. He, he called down woes and curses on the Pharisees. He cursed fig trees. He... he he, didn't, he made a whip, not just for looks, when he went to the temple and started overturning tables, right? These are the things that Jesus did. He even called a Samaritan woman a dog. Paul called people dogs. Right? And we, we tend to have in this exceptional, selective Christianity. Jesus could say it, but his followers can't. Hold on, wait a minute. I thought we were to be followers of the Christ. So you're telling me follow Jesus and do what Jesus did, except what if what Jesus did involves something you don't like. So, oh, so you want me to be a follower of you, not a follower of Jesus. You want me to be a follower of your Jesus. I'm not going to be a follower of that Jesus. I'm going to be a follower of this Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and so if a man comes in my inbox and wants to curse me and my family, no, I curse you. May that fall on your head. I'm a righteous man. I'm not a wicked man. I know the Lord. I'm his servant. And I, I, I've, I've acquired scars for his name. Then Paul says, he says, don't trouble me because I've been, I, I've been scarred. I've been marked for the Lord Jesus. Let no man trouble me. Amen. Amen. So th- this, this, this is my, this is my manual. And I, I tell you what, it has offended me. Is offended my mind. Amen. Because there have been things that other people have said that didn't line up with this. And I'm like, wait, hold on. I have to reconfigure now. And so that's why I posted on my stories. You know, don't don't be like the ones that put your head in the sand and don't change the truth. Right? Okay. So Matthew 28, I, I want to get to the word. 
if you don't think that this that from from what we started until now is is profitable, then my encouragement to you is is to open up your ears because there is profit. Right. Jesus used everyday examples. You know, Jesus never actually opened up a Bible. When he did his lectures, show me one passage where he says, "Okay, now turn." And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. Don't hear me say that. I'm just saying that the great rabbi didn't. Well, exception for when he was in the synagogues, he opened up the scroll and says, "Today this verse is fulfilled in your hearing." But when he was out in the masses and he was, he says, "What should I liken the kingdom of God unto?" For it is as a man who went out into a field. So he was looking at these things as he was giving his lectures. Do you understand? Okay. But yes, we should read scripture because Paul told Timothy, right? Give public attendance to the reading of scripture. So that's that's why we do this. But I'm just, I'm just saying that. Um, so Matthew 28, uh, verse 16 <clears throat> then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Let's just stop there real quick. This isn't the main focus for why I, I appeal to this passage. But this is a passage to prove that Jesus was God. Because Jesus freely receives worship. And, and now, if he doesn't rebuke what violates scripture, then he's not a good teacher. <laughs> because in Revelation, when John worshiped the angel, because he, he was just so enamored by the glory of the angel, he falls down and begins to worship. He says, no, 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 no. The angel says, don't do that. For I am a servant just like you. So, but Jesus, according to Hebrews, was made superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is much better than theirs for to which of the angels said he at any time thou art my son today have i begotten thee right and let all the angels of god worship him so even angels worship the son amen so jesus is god People have said he was just an angel. So angels are worshiping angels now? Right? So on the one hand, the oneness doctrine is false, where they say the son is the father. Okay, so Jesus is speaking to himself now. He just, he's not really praying. He's just, he's just plain praying. He's not really praying. No, he was literally communing with the Father. Now, I don't have to explain how that is what it is, that there, this mystery in the Godhead. I don't have to explain all that. All I do is take the biblical data and say, okay, well, the Bible rejects oneness, but the Bible also rejects the notion that Jesus wasn't God. Is that understood? No, it's not. Yes, it's it's the Bible. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? 
kaitheos and hologos. And the, the interesting thing is in the Greek, it actually proves the Trinity. Um, I don't ha- I'm not going to break down the linguistics and the grammar of that and the syntax of, of uh, John 1.1 1, 1 in the Greek, but just trust me when I say that the grammar actually supports the Trinity in John 1.1 1, 1 in the Greek. <clears throat> um, so, but continuing forward, um, it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, you have to... <laughs> You have to You have to be of a, a a strong double mind in order to doubt when you see Jesus right before you. You know what that shows? Sometimes seeing ain't believing. Man. Okay, you know, Janelli, yes, is the father, the son, and the... No, the father is not the son. And the son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the father. And let me prove it to you. I don't know where the exact verse is. Maybe one of you guys can pull it up for me. But it says, whoever blasphemes the son of man can be forgiven. But whosoever blasphemes the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven in this age or in the age to come. So if the Holy Spirit was the same as the Son, then what would apply to the Son would also apply to the Spirit. And what would apply to the Spirit would be applicable to the Son. But this violates in philosophy what's called the law of identity. The law of identity states that a thing is what it is if in fact it is the same thing in the same way, in the same sense, right? But that doesn't be, that is not the case for the Son and the Holy Ghost, right? Because how is it the case that you can blaspheme against the Son of Man and be forgiven, but not, and, and if you blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, you will not be forgiven? Amen? What, what, uh, Matthew 12, verse 31? <clears throat> Amen. So that shows us a distinction in the in the Godhead. And this is what I was explaining. How that works out exactly, I don't know, but I, I, I'm not interested in trying to philosophize that. I just take the biblical data and I accept it for what it is. I also don't know how God never had a beginning. He just always was. How do you explain that? Right? Oh, when did God start? Oh, he never did. He always was. Well, when was always? I don't know. Do you understand? Because if you think about it, if God always was, that means there's an infinite regress into the past. So when does the starting point begin? Do you understand? So it, it's it's a it's a it's a mystery. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> So verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's a good question, Denise. Um, 
There, there's some debate about this, but I think that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, because in the context, Jesus said this to the Pharisees who accused of Jesus operating by the, the, the power of Beelzebul, in other words, by the power of demons. And and so the Pharisees accused Jesus of this, and and so their accusation was actually against the Son. But 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 he the Son was operating under the power of the Holy Ghost. So basically, what's going on is they're attributing to God what is they're attributing to they're they're saying they're attributing to God. Uh, of what what is belonging to the devil, right? And so, in other words, they're calling good evil and evil good. That's that's what that's what's going on there. Now, the problem becomes is well, what if someone is genuinely deceived, as say a Muslim, and they call what what is of God of the devil? Can they be forgiven? And that's where the complexity arises because some people are prepared to say yes. But I think what is going on is that they knew. They knew that Jesus was the Christ and they decided to say it was of the devil anyways. Amen. So there is this. And so underneath that statement is the state of heart that is willfully, consciously, deliberately and permanently rejecting and insulting the spirit of grace because the operations of the Holy Ghost is to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So when the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit reaches the hearts of the Pharisees, they harden it and say, we want nothing to do with you and this sacrifice, and, and they therefore go on the offensive and they attribute to God, and they say, that's of the devil. And so, um, because, for example, the Romans didn't know. That's why Jesus on the cross prayed for the Romans. He didn't pray for the Pharisees, because Jesus already cursed the Pharisees. You know all those woes he was calling down? Woe unto you Pharisees. Woe unto you Sadducees. He wasn't blessing them. A woe is the antithesis to a blessing. He says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of God. But he also says, woe unto you whose laughter is now, for there will come a time when you will mourn. Woe unto you if X, therefore Y. Woe unto you if X, therefore Y. Right? So he's calling down curses on the Pharisees. In fact, he he also cursed the fig tree. And the fig tree was in Dick, it was representative of Jerusalem. Cuz it wasn't bringing forth fruit, so Jesus cursed it. And and that's why uh uh Jerusalem fell. Right? Because the curse of God was upon it. In fact, if you look upon the, the curses listed there in Deuteronomy, he says, if, if you are not careful to obey all that is written therein in the law, he says, cursed will you be in the city. Cursed will you be without. Cursed will you be this and this. And your enemies will come against. All those curses fell on Jerusalem. In, in AD 70. 
Amen. Um, <coughs> but he says here, he says, uh, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So people always say, you know, uh, th this world is belonging to the devil. That's not what Jesus is saying. Why does it say in 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 Psalm two that he will inherit all things? So he did inherit all things. The nations are his. So yes, do we see evil? Do we see wickedness? Yes, but this world is not belonging to the devil. Are you guys okay? <laughs> Amen. People say, well, what about, um, you know, in 2 Corinthians where it says the God of this world? Well, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't speaking of the devil. That was speaking of Moses. The, the, the word world isn't the word cosmos, as, as in globe. The word there is aeon. And, and we read in Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, it says... Uh, God says unto Moses, I will make you like God unto Pharaoh. And we read in Psalm 82, I believe in verse 6, and Jesus quotes Psalm 82 in John 10, and he refers to the religious authorities as gods. So Moses was the God of that age. And if you read in context, there is no mention of the devil because it says, verses prior to, it says, Moses put a veil over the face over his face, so that they could not see the glory. Right? <clears throat> but anyways, continuing forward, it says, all authority has been given unto him, therefore go and make disciples. So I, I want you to understand something here. Um, is the call and the commission to make disciples was given to the apostles. Okay, look, let me just, you have to understand these basic, basic interpretive principles. And number one is context. Okay. So do we understand the, 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 um, the idea of context? Do we know what context is? And I, I'm not saying this to be belittling or anything. I genuinely want to know if we understand what context means. Give me a thumbs up or a hand or a yes if we understand um, what context is. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, context is crucial. If if I say if I said. Hey, we're going to have a good time. You don't really know the meaning because I haven't given you the context. Suppose, you know, uh, 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 I'm a high school student and, or a college student, right? And this professor has it out for me and deliberately gives me an F when I, may, when I publish an A-plus paper. And I go to his office and I crack my knuckles and say, we're about to have a good time. What do you think that means? Well, I just gave you the context of something. Do you see how it alters the meaning? 
I love this other under, I love how Ray Comfort says this. He says, "Hey, do you think it's uh, an immoral or an impolite thing for me to not give up my seat for a blind man?" And everybody says yes. And then Ray Comfort says, "But I forgot to tell you, I'm the bus driver." <laughs> That's the context. You see how that additional information changes your perspective on the matter. Right? So when we're when we're reading Matthew 28, what is the context? Is he speaking to all Christians? No, he's not speaking to all Christians. Right? And and this is where we have to allow the word of the Lord to say what it says, right? And we cannot and it might be a temptation for us to do so. We just cannot add what the word of the Lord or add to the word of the Lord. Right? We cannot use as proof text thing texts that don't prove the point we're trying to make. Right? So, um, but in this context, he is telling his apostles, you go make disciples. Now, I want you to understand the word mathetes in the Greek is the word for disciple, and it means student, pupil, learned one. Understood? So, now, the whole idea of disciple assumes student-teacher relationship. Because if I am a student, that assumes I'm being taught. It makes no sense for me to say I'm an unlearned student. It makes no sense for me to say I'm a student that don't learn anything. Right? No, all you're showing is that you're a hearer, not a student. Because you can hear and not learn. Some of you college students prove it every week you go to class. (laughs) <laughs> some of you prove it each time you join <laughs> um i'm <laughs> i'm just messing <laughs> um with all that getting get offended <laughs> no with all that getting get wisdom Right. Amen. <clears throat> I I I try to use hu- humor sometimes to to lighten the the blow. You know, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. Um, but seriously, you can hear and not learn a thing. Right? Have you ever tried to talk? Okay. You ever try to talk to the one that you love, like maybe your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right? And they just weren't listening to you. How'd that make you feel? They're like, oh, but I I can repeat to you what you said. Yeah, but you weren't listening. You heard, but you really didn't listen. Just because you can regurgitate what you were told don't mean that you really obtained understanding. Because you can teach a parrot to tell you what it, what you said. But it don't mean that he understands or he was willing to obey. Amen. 
That's why some of you, you, you go on social media while you're in the Bible study. Oh, but, you know, I can say what you... Okay. So, right? So, you, you're one of them who, who are in the presence of God and you, you're on social media too, right? Right? You have to understand... You have to understand. So if Jesus was before you and present, we wouldn't treat him that way. But you know what that you know that's a indicative of apathy, indifference, complacency. A lethargic spirit. Right? If if you want the full attention of the one that you're trying to teach someone teach something to like your child oh please tell me you allow your child to get away with them being on social media and fidgeting on their phone when you're trying to instruct them on something important do you no you don't right so we should not treat god that way amen Amen. <clears throat> and someone might retort, well, where's God? Right? God ain't speaking. You are, Brother Greg. Okay, we're going to play that game now? No. Uh-uh. Peter says, whoever has the gift of teaching says, let them speak as the very oracle of God. You know what an oracle was in ancient Greek times? It was someone that they would go to in order to get a message from the gods. They were like a, a literal vessel that the gods would speak through. The oracle at Adelphi, you guys ever read about that in Greco uh, literature? Well, when they wanted to learn something or figure something out, they would go to the oracle. And Peter uses that same term to refer to those to whom speak in the name of God. Amen? So, does this make sense? Therefore, go and make disciples. So the therefore, he's, Jesus is saying, look, I've received authority and power in heaven and on earth. Because of that, I'm now giving you authority to go and make disciples. Okay? So that's the context. He's telling this to the eleven. And so he says, um, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. OK. So the end of the age was in the first century. But anyways, um, the point that I'm trying to make here, though, 
from this, right, is that the the people of God have to be taught everything Jesus commanded, right? And so that means that you're going to have to hear some things that you you don't want to hear. And if you say, I oh, yes, I want to hear everything Jesus has to tell me, you're lying. Now, I know that the heart that's regenerated, like, right, you're going to want to be taught by God, but that doesn't mean that everything that God teaches is going to be pleasing to your flesh. Jesus told us that the flesh profits nothing. Paul says that the carnal man cannot receive that which the spirit man does. Understood? So you're always going to live in this body and there are things that you will be told that you, the, 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 the sin that wants to arise and creep back in will begin to say, hey, no, no, don't, don't accept that, right? And now you're going to have to make that conscious decision by the Holy Ghost to say, I'm going to yield my members to the Spirit. I'm going to yield my members to that which is spiritual. Amen. I may not be a perfect man, but I'll tell you what, I am a spiritual man. And I don't have to prove that to anybody. Just where I go, God shows up. I am a spiritual man. And and, and, and it's not boasting. It just is what it is. If you say you're a black man, if you say you're a Hispanic woman, am I going to accuse you of boasting? What, what, what sense does that make? You, you're just stating the obvious. You're stating what you know to be true, right? So I'll call you arrogant if you're a female and you call yourself a male. <laughs> right? You ever, you ever meet the people that try to say of themselves what's not true about them? Oh, I can bench 300 pounds. <laughs> right? But you know that they can't. Amen. So, so <clears throat> I say that because um, one of the signs of spirituality is that you're able to receive from God even things that hurt. It don't mean that you will be happy about it. But God didn't tell you to sign up if you wanted to be happy. God told you to sign up if you want to be holy. Right? That doesn't mean that there is no joy in Christ. But you know what? Weeping endures for the night, but the joy comes in the morning. So you can't get to joy if you can't endure the night of pain. But see, the church... They want happiness now. And then what they do is they fall headlong into sin because they want to be happy, but they don't want to be holy. But you can't be truly happy because happiness is found in Christ. Holiness, joy is found in Christ. But that only comes if you receive the hard sayings of the Lord and say, God, I want what you have to say to me. There is no true happiness without holiness. 
is what I'm trying to say. In fact, the word makarios in the Greek, which means blessed, also means happy. So when Jesus says, blessed is the man, he's in other words saying, happy is the man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for he shall have his fill. But we are living in a day and age where we're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We're itching for just a feel-good message and, and whisper-me-nothings. Amen. Amen. Prophesy to me, Papa. Right? That's what we're into today. Prophesy. Go deeper, Papa. Do you know... Noah was not a man. It's this nonsense. Jesus don't care about your sin. Go deeper. <laughs> right? We, we have this commercialized Christianity. That's what we have. We have a commercialized, professionalized, and it's just a fraud. It's Wizard of Oz. There's this intimidating guy on the screen, but when you go behind the curtain, you see something different. Amen. Amen. You know what I was meditating on earlier is, is look, you know what changes you? The word changes you. It's the, <laughs> the latte pastors. It's the word that changes you. Amen. Yeah. Look, and I, I've said this before and I, I love, don't get me wrong. I love I love seeing the Holy Spirit minister to people when you know giving words of knowledge and, and prophetic words and so I love it. I it's amazing. I bless God for that. But it, can I tell tell you something? That won't change you. That will encourage you. The Bible says that the spirit of prophecy, that the gift of prophecy is for encouragement, uh 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 and, and comfort. So, you know, you're in a time of distress, you need encouragement and comfort, and you're built up, you, you know, God encourages you and lets you know that you're, seen, that, he's, that you're seen by him. That, hey, you still exist on God's radar, he sees you, he knows you, right? It's a beautiful feeling. But guess what? If you get a word of prophecy, but you're not taught the word of the Lord through the spirit of prophecy, your mind will stay the same, and you'll keep doing the same things that you do. This is why I, I am sick of seeing orphans in the body of Christ that run to person after person looking for a quick fix me. An instant can cure to their problems, but they won't submit under the teaching of the word because they just want instant results. But can I tell you something? Instant results do not exist. You know, and even even the so-called instant result of deliverance from demons and stuff like that, I believe in it. It can happen, you know, through, you know, a single encounter. But even after then, you have to maintain your deliverance. 
Even after then, you still have to fight the good fight of faith. The fight ain't good. See, what people have said is uh, their need of deliverance is nothing more than the fact that they're in the fight. I'm not denying that some people are under oppressive spirits. I'm not denying that people need deliverance. But sometimes people say that their need of deliverance is nothing more than the, the sheer reality that, hey, brother, you're in the fight. Hey, sister, you're in the fight. You're in the war. And unless you learn how to fight, nothing will change. Amen. David says, God teaches my fingers to war. And you don't think for a minute that those that are on the battlefield, that they don't get weary, they don't get tired, they don't get injured, they don't get afraid, they don't get lonely. When the devil is continuing to harass you, when the devil keeps trying to come and sabotage your life, and you think you move two steps forward, you get knocked five steps back, and that happens three times in a row, five times in a row, that you don't get uh, uh, so hard-pressed to where you wake up and you feel like, I don't want to get up for another day. Amen. Amen. When you just keep fighting, you keep pressing through, and you don't know if you will be able to make it through. And you still got to fight come hell or high waters and say, you know what? To live is Christ and to die is gain. I got to keep pressing forward. I got to keep moving. I got to keep trusting God. Even though the time is dark, the Bible says, Rejoice not over me, my enemy. For though I have fallen, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Though he has hidden his face for a little while, the God of all grace will begin to shine upon you if you wait upon him and you don't take matters into your own hands. It isn't easy. You're not going to always have the answers. You don't always you're not always going to know where to go, where to what to do. You're not going to have all the answers to that. But you know what? God will assure you that if you begin to continue to trust in him and not to rely upon your own understanding in due time, he will make your path straight. Amen. Wasn't the Bible say, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You don't think that Joseph was discouraged when he was obedient to the Lord. He didn't succumb to lust. He didn't fall with that woman when Potiphar's wife wanted to have sex with him. And so he did what was right and he got locked up for it. And then not only that, he, he ended up interpreting the, the men's dreams and and one of the dudes didn't even tell um uh what's his name the pharaoh right hey you know here's a guy who can interpret dreams and so he was still locked up in prison even though he used his gift to bring about his deliverance from that situation when that man got out of prison he didn't even remember joseph Right, you you can understand how discouraging that is. That you're in a prison, you lift someone up, and they don't even pull you out. Amen. 
Amen? You ever invest in somebody? You ever do something for some people and they turn around and they forget you? I can't tell you how many people I've helped in the Lord and they, they turn around and act as if I'm nobody. Okay. You know what that is? That's dishonor. It is dishonor. The, the Bible says, you know, the Lord speaks concerning his people in Isaiah. He says, can a mother forget the child that she's nursed at her breast, even if she can forget you, I won't forget you. Amen. But it's often the children that forget the parents. I speak in parables. <clears throat> How much do parents do for the children, right? And then the first sight, the glamorous sight that these kids, sheltered in the home, they're fed. They, but they see this glamorous sighting of this poor example of an individual, right? And they, they f pursue after that. Right? They pursue after these faulty examples. Why? Because they feel like they're going to have fun or they can have the fulfillment of their dreams. Right? And how soon are those who really love them are forgotten, right? Because they want to have they want to have fun. Or or how about this? They feel like they're 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 being restrained, right? They're being restrained by by their parents, and they're like, "I don't like this," and I, I'm gonna just do me. I'm a you know that sort of selfish thinking begins to creep in, and then what happens when they begin to follow that? Things don't turn out as it seems to be. They get themselves into some trouble. They find out they weren't ready, right? Um, you know, at work yesterday, there was these kids that were laughing about shoes and stuff like that. And I said, look, you get to an age where you, you just don't care about that. And, and I can say this and you'll be able to conceptualize it. But you really, you can't relate to it. Because your world involves buying on the coolest, shopping on the coolest and all that stuff so you can be accepted by your friends. Right? But you, you grow up and you, you put away childish things. Right? So 
we have to put away childish things and childish thinking. That's what Paul says. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen. You know, are are you prepared to put away your toys? What are toys? It's an acronym, Temptations of Your Youth. Because it might be fun, but it will destroy you, right? What tastes good ain't always good. But you know what? What tastes bad many times is good. Amen. Hear me, hold, take this medicine. Mm-mm, no. <laughs> right? Amen. Or 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 what about uh you, you want a physique that you want to reach? Jim ain't gonna feel good. Amen. Right? And I'm not shaming anybody, but the, the point though that I'm trying to make is that there are things that are good that we need to acclimate to that aren't the easiest to obtain. <clears throat> Right? The same thing with your prayer life. The same thing with obedience to God. Amen. <laughs> maybe if your maybe if your salad maybe if your chips identified as a salad, it maybe it changed reality, right? <laughs> I have to get some conversion therapy. <laughs> conversion therapy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I identify this hamburger as a salad. <laughs> you think it works? <laughs> nope, it doesn't work. But the point that I was, uh, this last point, then we'll read a little more, is, um, you know, th- there are orphans today in the body of Christ, and and they don't submit to God's um, protocol for change. Amen. You 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 can't you can't bypass that. And the unfortunate thing is sometimes people, they get so hurt that they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right? They throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, I, I remember recently I was watching this video and there, the, it, was, it was talking about the, the, the black women. How they're always like, yeah, Oh, I don't need no man. And 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 
um, the guy, I don't know who the guy was. He was talking about, well, look, a, a lot of the, the black community, they were saying that the females, they've experienced so much hurt by the males whose lifestyles and ethics are trash. And the reason for that is because we left them to themselves without a father. But can you really, but, but it makes complete sense because that's, that's, that's what the black community is listening to. What are they listening to? Who has their ear? No father has their ear. The rap community has their ear. So they're saying, go get this woman, go do that, go do this. And so now the women are hurt because there ain't no good, uh, uh, by and large men in that community. And so now they had to foster an independent spirit instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God that there is a good man out there. And you know what? It may not be in my own race. Right? It's all about kingdom. It's not about race. It's not Jew or Gentile. Yes, we honor different cultures. But you know what? God may have you to be with someone that is outside your culture. Amen. Amen. You know, so, some people treat race like it's a, it's a shrine to worship at. And they say they're all about kingdom, but they're really all about race. It, no, it's not about race. You know, God is sometimes going to have you work with people that are of a different culture than you just to expose your prejudice. Amen. To expose your, your, your subtle racism. Hey, that was a problem for Peter. He didn't want to accept the Gentiles. Right? No. You know what, what Dr. Martin Luther King uh, say? He says, I, I hope for a day that men will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of the character. I don't care if you're black, Hispanic, or white. I'm going to judge you by your character. If you're trash, you're trash. And I'm not going to accept you in my life. It, it don't matter if you're Asian. It don't matter if you're female. It don't matter if you're male. It doesn't matter to me. If your character is good, then we're good. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you guys okay? Amen. So he says this, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So are, are you a disciple? And, and the reason why I've come to this passage is because I want to chisel out of our minds this, this, this false idea. People say, Jesus taught me. Jesus didn't teach you. I'm not, I'm not negating the fact that the Holy Spirit encourages us. I'm not I'm not I'm not negating that. But the point you have to understand is that Jesus didn't teach you. Jesus didn't teach me. Right? <clears throat> because when we remember what we we're talking about earlier that there's a difference in the, there's a distinction in the godhead. Jesus ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus taught the apostles to teach others. Okay. Tell me, where did Jesus meet you? So he can teach you. Where was he at? 
Tell me, so I, I want to find him. Can you tell me? Is he, is he in Nazareth? Is he in Galilee? Right? And th this is what people don't like. Because, okay, so Jesus is teaching different things. Because there's a thousand and one abomination, I mean, denominations, and, and so, but they all claim Jesus taught them. Amen, somebody. Amen. No, Jesus didn't teach you. Jesus didn't teach me. He taught the apostles. Yeah, but but my church says, I don't care what your church says. What does the Bible say? Amen. So <clears throat> now, let me show you something. Go to Ephesians. Because it's Ephesians chapter 1. You know, when, when I when I was in that teach when I was in the teachers line with that brother, um, well, both of them actually, I was just I was just expounding the word to them, and you know what I felt? I felt a spirit of resistance. I say, ah, figure this. Tell me why there's division in the body. Tell me why there's resistance. Because. I thought we were of the same. I thought we were of the same uh, spirit. Amen. I thought we were of the same body. I thought we were in the same faith. Okay, so obviously we're not in the same faith because you're believing something different. People always talk about unity in the body of Christ, but they don't understand that unity can't come until we all believe the word. What are we going to unify around? Are we going to unify around personalities? Are we going to unify around culture? Are we going to unify around uh, uh, traditions of men? God forbid. We can't unify around that. Is that understood? What light? Does, what fellowship does light have with darkness? The only light is the teaching of the Lord. Want me to prove it? Psalm 119. David says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. Amen. So light has no fellowship with darkness. The light is the Christ and the light is his word. So if we cannot fellowship around the word, we do not have fellowship. Amen. Amen. So that means that your mind, your life has to come under submission to the word. Right, so, um, but Ephesians chapter 1, um, <clears throat> look, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Look, okay, now who is the us? 
The us there is Paul is speaking of himself and his ministerial companions. And let me prove it to you. It's in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Okay, so now I want you to see, keep your finger there. Um, let me find this verse real quick. Go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. The disciples came to him, so the apostles, right? And asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. They will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. But look at in verse 16. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Okay, so the point that I'm making is that it was given to the apostles to know the mysteries of the kingdom, right? It was shown directly to them by the Christ. And that's why when they, you, you see, uh, furthermore, when Luke, uh, when Luke records that Jesus was walking, who did he appear? He appeared to the apostles. And it says that Christ opened their mind to the scriptures. He expound to them all the law and the prophets. Jesus had poured into the eleven to know the secrets of the kingdom. He wasn't expounding those mysteries to everybody. Now, certainly he did tell the masses to repent and to believe the gospel, right? But he was pouring into his 11 to then teach the people. This is why he commissions them in Matthew 28 to then go make disciples of all nations. And in Ephesians 1, Paul says to us has been given the mystery of the kingdom, right? That he lavished on us, that he made known, right? Watch. Go back to Ephesians. <clears throat> One second. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter three, 
verse 5 through 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Or let's actually begin verse 2. <clears throat> Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. Okay, let's stop real quick. What administration of God's grace? What's an administrator? Does anybody know? Okay, so in my job, there are administrators. I'm not an administrator. I don't administrate squat. <laughs> I am a subject. Is that clear? I don't have a problem with that. You know why? Because I don't have authority to administer anything. I didn't earn it. I'm not called to it. So I'm not going to try to act like it. You guys are quiet. Why are you quiet? Okay, go to your, please do me a favor. Go to your job tomorrow and go act like an administrator. Do me that favor and see what happens. <laughs> you don't got authority. Don't do that, right? Okay, now if someone's an administrator, right, you follow their lead. They are the ones with authority. Okay, so the administration of God's grace is the same grace that Paul was speaking about in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. That God had lavished the grace upon the apostles Okay, if he didn't, then why in 2 Corinthians did Paul implore the Corinthians and says, Receive not the grace of God in vain. We beseech you, in the stead of Christ, be reconciled to God. If Paul didn't carry grace, how could he say to the Corinthians, Grace be to you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul can't give what he don't got. Right? The, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus gave the apostles grace to give to the church. But look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. So this grace is administrative. Who are the administrators? Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What do they administer? Right? Well, they administer the authority of Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Submit to your leaders who have the rule over you, who have authority, and do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be of no benefit to you. Right? So he says, administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Oh, why didn't God just give it to the Ephesians? Why did, okay, isn't that just wasting time? Okay, God, uh, uh, God says, I'm going to give it to Paul to give to the Ephesians. Why didn't God just skip Paul and just give it to the Ephesians? Right? If, okay, if I want to give, say, 
uh, uh, someone uh, uh, a gift, right? And both of you are in my presence. And I say, okay, I'm going to give Malachi a gift to give to Denise. But both of you guys are present with me. Why don't I just skip Malachi to just give Denise if both of them are before me? I certainly can do that. That's within my power, is it not? Well, it's within God's power to skip Paul and to give it directly to the Ephesians. But that's not what God chose to do. And now if God did not choose to do it that way, we have to ask, why did you do it that way, God? Right? So why does Paul say, the grace that was given to me for you? And what is this grace? The mystery that made known to me by revelation as I have, hold on, <clears throat> as I have already um, written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So let me ask you this question. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Okay, so what, to whom was this mystery revealed? Directly and immediately to the apostles and the prophets. That's, that's literally what the text says in plain sight. And so when we correlate that with Matthew that we just read, to whom was given the mysteries of the kingdom? Christ revealed that to the apostles directly. But to the others, he spoke in parables. That's why when he spoke in parables to the people, you know what the apostles did, later did? They said, hey, shh, Jesus, what do you mean by that? Right? So, we then for, we have a better understanding of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Why? Why was it exclusively to them? Because they were the carriers of the administration of God's grace. Right? And so, so someone couldn't just say, hey, that ain't fair. Uh, 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 the 11, I want to do that too. Sorry, because it began with them who were with Jesus and who were witnesses to the resurrection. Does that understand? Do you understand that? People find this offensive. You know why? Because there, there are people to whom things apply in the body and things that other things that don't apply. Right? So look it. If you go to um Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. 
And and th- th- this does, this God had every intention on this being sequential. That God intends for there to be a succession. So it begins with the apostles. The apostle raised up children. And among those children, they select a few who will be able to continue this process. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Okay, well, let's begin at verse 1, actually. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay, so <clears throat> Paul is saying, look, he's my son in the faith, Timothy. By the way, Timothy is a minister because Paul commissioned Timothy to oversee the church at Ephesus. Okay, so Timothy just wasn't, a, you know, a churchgoer. He was appointed as a minister as an overseer at the church at Ephesus. Is that understood? And the reason why I specify this is because it's important to take note of because when certain things are said to certain people, the audience is is a factor. The audience is very significant. So the audience here is Timothy alone. This hence why it's entitled Timothy. Make sense? So he says, you got to teach other people this. Teach reliable people Okay, that will be able to teach others also. So let me ask you this question. Are all teachers? Right? So, so then if you're not a teacher, how can you make disciples? Because a disciple is a student. Can't let's just use this in a different context. For example, uh, Sister Nancy is a teacher. If someone walked in her classroom and just tried to start teaching her students, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, who are you? It was cool. I was, I, I, <laughs> okay. For example, I, I had to, I had to oversee her classroom for like 10 to 15 minutes. I'm not a teacher. I'm an instructional aide. So instead of trying to teach her students, I played hangman. <laughs> I love them, man. They're like my favorite class. Yeah, hangman's a game. And it's like where you have to guess certain words and, you know, it's just a little game. Yeah, they're they're an amazing class. <coughs> but guess what? I don't have credentials. I don't have my bachelor's degree. Okay? So, so, but, but say I, I demand it. Say, no, but I, but, do you understand how that's not going to work? Amen. So, 
the same applies in God's church. It's not for people to become lords over the flock. That's not what this is about. But I have to lay these foundations for you, for you to understand that there is a delineation in the body of Christ. We're all equally saved. We're all equally loved. That's not what this is about. Amen? But we are not equal in function. Your children are not equal in function to you. Right? They're just not. That's why the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord in all things. So, the Bible says the lesser is blessed by the greater. You're greater. I know people don't like that, right? Because they don't want to feel inferior. But you know what? If you're secure in your relationship with Christ, that won't make you feel inferior. Amen. Right? You're greater than your children. You're not greater in value. You're greater in authority. Right? And and you know what? Let me tell you what. It's easier to be a lesser. Do you understand that? It's easier to be a lesser. You know how easier it is to allow other people to do the hard work and say, yeah, you take care of that responsibility. As a parent, it is difficult. It is not an easy thing. And any parent who says it's an easy thing are lying. And they're not doing, or they're just not doing what they're supposed to do. It is hard to work. It's hard to bring in money. It's hard to uh, uh, make sure everything is going well. It's hard to do that and to constantly pour out. Especially if you're single. Amen. So, okay. Let's stop. Let's stop. Um trying to because i'll tell you what when we try to equalize everybody in the body we're actually defying the order of god and and we're allowing our feelings to dictate the truth of god and we're allowing our feelings to eradicate what god has instituted for the benefit of his church okay Um, does it make sense? <clears throat> so I'm going to close in this. Let's just go to Ephesians 4, and I promise this will be my last verse. Some of you might think this is repetitive. You've already talked about this. 
I have talked about this. Um, but look, I'm not here to, to preach feel goods. I'm here to change minds in keeping with the word of God. That has been my commission. I, I'm not commissioned to make friends, although I believe in being friendly. I ha- I have been commissioned to make disciples. Not followers. Not I, I haven't been commissioned to get mere likes. Right? Because if that was the case, I would say far much more appealing things to amass a larger following. Like Leonard Ravenhill said, he says this generation has itching ears and I have no commission from God to scratch them. Right? And you know, there's a temptation for every minister to do that. You know why? Because people like you if you give them their, if you scratch their itch. You know why? Because it relieves them. Amen? But that's that's not my call. My call is to expound to you the word of the Lord more accurately. And that's what will change your life. Not feel-goods. I guarantee you, those in Stephen Furtick's church don't change. I guarantee it. I guarantee you, those in Mike Todd's church do not change. It's the same repetitive hype. And they have to, they become hype junkies. I got to go back to this place to get more hype. So I, I need you to come and encourage me because I don't feel that good. And so I feel better about myself. But nothing in my life ever changes. Wickedness is not uncovered. Unrighteousness is not combated. Impartation and revelation is not given. Is that understood? See, as a child, you if all your parents did was encourage you, you would never be where you're at. But you know what they had to tell you? No, Timmy, don't touch that stove. It's hot. No, this is how, well, if your parents did an exceptional job, they would say, look, this, hey, come here, son. Uh, what daddy's doing right now, he's paying bills. This is how you pay bills. This is what these numbers mean. This is what this category means. This is what you do right here. This is, all, you see that over there? That's what you don't do. It takes 12 years, right, for you to get an education in high school. But it takes far much more for you to live successfully in Christ and to be the man and woman of God that you've been called to be. Right? And so instead of looking for this constant being emotional hype junkies, we need to say, what is God saying to me in his word? Because that is what the kingdom is predicated upon, the principle of light and power, not emotions. Light and power. You need light to know what to do 
and you need power to do what you have been taught to do. Okay, so I'm laying this foundation so that you understand, right? <clears throat> but Ephesians 4, this is the last passage we're reading. I've shown you this many times before. Okay, look, uh, verse 10, uh, verse 11, excuse me. Well, let, I'm sorry, let's begin at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given, and he's referring there to the ministers. It's just kind of how we're read in Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 1. Grace was given to Paul. As Christ proportioned it, this is why he sa it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, do you know that the gifts here referred to are not the gifts of the Holy Ghost? They're the gifts of Christ. That's why the Bible says when he ascended, he gave gifts. Now, the gifts there are not the gifts of the Spirit. They're the gifts which are the ministers. That's what the gifts there are referring to. I don't have time to unpack that, but suffice it to say, that's what is actually implied in the text. And now it says, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets. Okay, so in context, okay, in verse 7, it says he gave gifts to his people, right? We don't know what those gifts are yet, but verse 11 clarifies what those gifts are. So he gave what? Gifts to his people. Who are his people? The entire church. So who are the gifts? The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Those are the gifts that he gave to his body. Those are the gifts of Christ. Now, this also proves, because certain people say, hey, you know, the apostles, uh, uh, there are no more apostles. It was just the, the, the eleven. Or the 12, you know, because Matthias later was welcomed into the 12 uh, foundational apostles of the Lamb, right? When they cast lots in the book of Acts. Um, but we have to understand that they were apostles even before Christ ascended. So the, ascend, the, the apostles being spoken of here in Ephesians 4 are those that come thereafter the ascension of Christ. Is that understood? So the apostles of the Lamb, the twelve, were apostles even before the ascension of Christ. They were uh, uh, distinct. Whereas the apostles that believe on after, right, after the ascension of Christ, are apostles, right? But they're not the apostles in the same sense that they're able to write scripture. Does that make sense? So someone can't say today, hey, you know, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, therefore I can write scripture. No. So, but anyways, look at what it says. <clears throat> In verse 12, what are they given for? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Please, let's just read this and understand it in its plain meaning. They are given so we might be mature, right? So let's remove them. Will maturity come? No. Remove parents and see how mature children become. It's, it won't happen. Right? And in many cases, some children still don't become mature because the, the, the adults haven't become mature themselves. Right? Amen. So, so maturity comes through the ministers equipping. The Bible, show me one verse where the Bible says you can equip yourself. So now if someone says that it can be done without ministers, then why did God give what is unnecessary? What what we're saying is what it's unnecessary. It's the same thing that cessationists say. Oh, I don't need the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I don't need tongues. I don't need prophecy. I don't need words. I don't need gifts of healing. I don't need all that because all I got is the scriptures. The scriptures are sufficient. Okay, so then what you're saying is that God gave something unnecessarily. That's what you're saying. You're saying this isn't necessary, and so we can dispense of them. Who gave you the authority to tell God what he deems necessary and not? Right? Is that understood? It's not unnecessary. Okay, if that's what you believe, allow that to come out of your mouth. God, X is unnecessary. And you might feel a little bit more uncomfortable allowing that to come out of your mouth explicitly. Just allow for your thoughts to be given verbal expression. And you'll feel... Have you ever thought something and then when you said it, and it's like, when you kind of say it that way, it's kind of bad? Yeah, I'm just giving you language to what you think. <laughs> I'm doing you the favor to show you how cruel you sound. <laughs> right? So, ministers are unnecessary. Same thing cessationists say. The gifts are unnecessary. All I need is the Bible, is what cessationists say. You know, a lot of charismatics say, all I need, I don't need ministers. All I need is the Bible. Mm-hmm. But yet you'll be the same people going to watch YouTube videos. But I thought all you need was the Bible. You're watching YouTube videos to prove me wrong. Reading articles of other teachers to prove a teacher wrong. 
right? You guys are making it rough. <laughs> See, subdue subdue the resistance. Because I, I feel it. But I'm not going to back down. You know why? Because I have authority because of this right here. It's not, it's, this right here is, is the rule of faith. And so as we read it, and, and the reason why I'm having us to come there together is so that you see I'm not, I'm not including things in this text. I'm just allowing for it to say what it says, right? It means what it means. It says what it says. And if God has given that for the church, for them to reach to maturity, it was not for no intention, Right? <clears throat> Someone will say, but that's easy for you to say. I didn't just pop out of nowhere. Ta-da! <laughs> right? I didn't pop out of nowhere. I had gone through the same rigorous process and I myself am still submitted to authority and learn from someone that is of a greater stature than myself. So I'm not saying do as I say and not as I do because I do as I say and as I teach. Amen. And, and and I'd have you know that and my wife can vouch. Every time I meet, the meetings are like five or six hours in one sitting. And it's already late at night. So, so and that's all just instruction. And I probably get about 5% of, of, of any word in. Does that make sense? He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Bear them in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Because I'll tell you what, <clears throat> if I said, if I, if I got on my soapbox and I said fornication is sin, adultery is sin, greed is sin, Right? We will be readily acceptant of that. But when it comes to some of the finer points of doctrine, it's more difficult for us to receive. But God's word is God's word no matter what we're speaking of. Amen. So we'll just finish that last, uh, that last uh, passage up. Uh, read all the way through. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infanced, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Right? So God doesn't want us uh, children tossed back and forth. Right? Amen. 
And, and a lot of people, you know what they say? They say, oh, oh, that's milk. You know, in Hebrews 6, it tells us what milk is. And milk, you know what milk is? Repentance from dead works, faith in God, faith in Christ. If you go and this is, the writer of Hebrews says, now leaving the elementary teachings of the doctrines of Christ, not laying again the foundation of from dead work, uh, or repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So the gospel of the cross is milk. Because that's what he's speaking of in context, because their problem was that they were relapsing or tempted to relapse back into the Levitical uh, priesthood and the old Judaistic ways of doing things, right? That's why he at length explained the superiority of Christ and of that priesthood, saying we have someone better than Moses. For the time he ought to be teachers, you have need for someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You have need of milk and not of strong meat because you are no longer trying to understand. Babies who don't often want to, under, don't want to understand need milk. And they need to be laid the foundation, right? So let's move on to maturity. And God permitting, we will do so as the writer of Hebrews states. Let's get beyond milk. Amen. <clears throat> um, I'm closing now, so 